Welcome to the Vice of Issues, the foul-mouthed, spoiler-filled uh, comic book podcast where we talk about comics. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Daryl. And we have a guest today. And I'm Michael. I'm motherfucking Michael. <laughs> Whoa, Michael. Michael. I'm Raider. The M stands for motherfucker. <laughs> Tone down the language. Whoa, t- language, please. There's kids around here, Michael. So I have to immediately, at the top of the show, issue a formal apology. I told everybody Phil was going to be back. And he got back yesterday when this comes out, so he's not on this episode. <laughs> so Michael is Ryan's co-host on his other podcast, which is better than this one, uh, Wigurney. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Can you tell us about, about that podcast, guys? Plug yourselves. I'll let Michael do it. He's Plug the, yourselves uh, in. Okay, so it's a really stupid idea, and Ryan and I are not great but it's uh we have a lot of fun with it when you plug something you're supposed to make yourself sound good okay so it's a great hilarious podcast a comedy podcast where ryan and i are spending a year uh speculating about the plot of a movie and this year we're speculating about the plot of we bought a zoo guests come on and bring us scraps of information like imdb reviews and uh yeah and we're piecing it together it's it's fun yes Yeah, if you like good improv comedy, I recommend it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. Speaking of good comedy, what did you make us read this week, Sly? Good comedy? Right, so it's, <laughs> it's uh, Edgelord August. Uh, uh, the most wonderful time of the year. And that's why I'm here, renowned Edgelord. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Motherfucker Michael. Uh, the most explicit podcast, like McGurney, warning to everyone. Motherfucker Michael. Uh, but uh, we were debating what should we do... Uh, Daryl and and Ryan were like, we should do more Mark Millar. Make it Mark Millar month. And I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> I was like, we should uh, vary it up a bit. And I want to revisit Garth Ennis, writer of The Boys. This story mm-hmm. where Superman uh, analog tells, tells a girl to suck his dick. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and um, I knew about this comic. I, I don't know. Uh, I never read this comic before. So this is not like me reading, me uh, pitching one of my favorite books to Daryl and the others. It was, I heard about this book by people who never accounted before, and they said, um, this is one of their favorite books of all time, like, not even just, like, a, a good comic, like, oh, they love this comic, so I'm like... Wait, who are these people? This is up there with Slaughterhouse-Five <laughs> and Catch-22. <laughs> and I was thinking, uh, I read the premise, and if you don't, if you know the boys, uh, you know how edgy Edgelord Garth Ennis is, and, um... The premise is Super Edgelord. It's the premise is basically zombies, except instead of becoming uh, zombies, per se, they become the worst human beings imaginable, and they just become like animals, fulfilling their darkest, deepest wishes. I described it as, it's like The Walking Dead, but the dead people come back as shitlords. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Right, and yeah. they can plan and think ahead, and they're kind of basically the people they were before, but no inhibition. Exactly. It's, like they just act on their worst impulses. It's weird to say they're basically because they're like they're really crazy and sometimes naked, sometimes they wear <laughs> skin, and right. they really like raping and they really like just torturing people. Right. And they can't they can't really t- I mean they can kind of talk, but they mostly just uh swear babble and swear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's perfect for actual August. A lot a lot of them <laughs> like saying cunt. So okay, we didn't start from the beginning. What's, like, the history of Crossed, Sly? Oh, yeah, so that's a good question. So the history of Crossed was, it was actually, the first volume was meant to be the only volume. I didn't notice. I thought uh, Garth Ennis, like, wrote Crossed, like, throughout. But Garth Ennis basically came up with the first volume, which I really love. But he came up with the first volume as a self-contained story. It, it pretty much outlines a lot of the details about the world they're in. Uh, and he, he planned it out as one self-contained story. He wanted the fate of the characters to be solid. He didn't want anyone to follow up on the fate of the characters in that story. But um, other writers started petitioning Garth Ennis saying, we really love this world you created. Can we uh, write stories with this world? And Garth Ennis says, okay, as long as you don't touch my characters, I'll let you guys continue it. And periodically he comes back and writes some new stories. So like for the, uh, when it became a main series and not just a bunch of miniseries, uh, he wrote the first three issues, which we're going to read now. The thing that I find so interesting about this is I feel like we always have this argument on the show of do... Is it better to have the contained or the ongoing? Like, is continuity better or worse? And I feel like this kind of does... Now, let me set the record straight. I do not like this book all that much. (laughs) But I find the concept really interesting where you're allowed to play in a world, but each writer has their own characters. And I feel like that is a nice balance between, like, 
one writer retconning everything and changing, like, you know, Captain America's a Nazi now and all this kind of stuff, versus the, like, I would really love to see more of, you know, like... I don't know, like the Sweet Tooth More characters spins on the cross universe, like say from Alan Moore, who did write for this series. <laughs> oh yeah, Alan Moore wrote for this. A lot of great writers wrote for this. Uh, I mean, I so- think it depends on the world for me. I mean, it was something like, I would say, the uh, series that George R.R. R. Martin uh, edits, the uh, Wildcard series. I like having lots of different uh, vaguely connected stories within it, but like for something post-apocalyptic, I prefer like an ongoing, how are they rebuilding society sort of story. Like little one-offs mm-hmm. in a post-apocalyptic universe just don't catch me. Are you a big fan of The Walking Dead? I, I've never actually read The Walking Dead. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious because because like that seems like the, the, the will be the divide here. Because right. I, I like I like The Walking Dead fine, but I really love the anthology approach to this series. But like this is my how I like horror. I like horror stories with a great twist at the end and everything comes full together and the characters all have our risk of dying i love that kind of stuff and i like the walking dead a lot that makes more sense for you to enjoy it since you're like it is the one-off there is like no one's safe and it's you're waiting to see what's done with this tale rather than an ongoing thing where it's like well people have to live because you have to keep making a comic exactly and one thing I would, I am going to put you on blast right now, Sylvester. Do because it. Because. Do it. Always do it. Never I not. have always said that Garth Ennis was a step above all the other shitlords that we have read for the show. <laughs> and you've been like, no, that's just because you're an idiot. You have bad taste. And I've been like, Preacher's amazing. And you have not read Preacher. And you shame me for it all the time. And now you're like, no, Garth Ennis is great. The cross is so great. So you know what? Fuck you, Sly. You're a piece of shit. In my defense, and you can roll the tape back on this. During The Boys, I said, you could tell this writer writes good character moments. He just has these shitlord tendencies. And the other, my other excuse is that I'm trying to troll you. And I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I went too far. When you said, let's do Crossed, I was like, oh, okay. And then you, you were like, you'll probably like it, though, because you like fucking preach. Yeah. It's like, you keep using the I'm trolling you like Trump uses the it was a joke. I do. I know. I, I, and, and like, I realize like, I go too far and I'm like, oops. Where does ironic Sly end? Yeah. Was, I, mean, I was being ironic. Exactly. So I'm airing my grievances. Preacher rules and it's better than crossed. Fuck you, Sly. I still need to read Preacher. The only Garth Ennis I've read so far is Volume 1 of The Boys and Fuck You Guys because I read it because it was on this podcast. Uh, and why did then, you read it? Why? I know. Why did I read it? That's a really good question. Did you read it before uh, the episode or after? Uh, before. Cause I got it for free in a Humble Bundle. So I'm like, oh, I'll just read uh. this before. And then I, I also... Uh, I, I need to rewind a little bit. I, I read Crossed when I was at work, which was a really bad idea. And oh, I yeah, also yeah. read The Boys while I was at work. Which <laughs> was bad. I mostly read comics at work. But anyway, um, uh, the only other Garth Ennis I've read is uh, the Punisher Max series, which I thought was actually really good. Yeah, I think Punisher Max is pretty good. Yeah. And, and also, uh, you should, uh, I will read The Preacher because Cross converted me. Preacher's I was crossed so, <laughs> by so the series. Good. But... I like the idea of Michael getting the boys from a Hundle Bundle and then hating it so much that he goes to the charity and steals the money back. <laughs> Refund? Yeah. No, like physically goes there and is like, I want this, I, I, ACLU. I pull off a heist to get the money back. Yeah. <laughs> I want my 50 cents back. <laughs> okay, right, so, so let's get to this actual this came out, goddamn story. This came out in like 2013 or something? The part uh, where the one we're doing came out around the 13th, uh, 2013. Okay. And who does the... too late. That is too late for how <laughs> dumb the story is. And who did the art? Uh, that's a good question. Jack, I uh, didn't write it down. Jack and Burroughs? Okay. I think. Sure. I yeah. think Jason he's the Burroughs, only other yes. name on the cover. Yeah, okay. Jason. Jason Burroughs is uh, the most associated artist with Cross. He was co-artist, co-creator. And I really like his style. He reminds me a lot of Dylan from... Uh, and this is old stuff, like very realistic, mm-hmm. very it suits I mean, Ennis' style a lot. Ennis and Dylan are like one of those teams that like get talked about as a team a lot. And I just think that style works really well with Ennis' style. It does. I have no complaints about the art. That's yeah, this is another case of where you have a great artist working on a story they deserve better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, pretty so... in the middle about this, so I want Daryl to convince me this book is terrible and Sly to convince me okay. it's great. Get, 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 let's begin the story. Okay, let's begin the story. Okay. So the story opens with two guys, uh, Rob and Alec. They're discussing 
getting some fish from a stream, and one guy saying maybe we should use a grenade and toss a grenade and make the fish all fly out. These guys basically. are obviously idiots right away. Yeah. They're like, let's let's shoot the fish, and they're like, that's too noisy. And he's like, let's just use grenades instead. Yeah, I want yeah. scampy. <laughs> <laughs> and so the hero of the story, or hero, quote unquote, yeah, protagonist. The main the character. The... <laughs> yeah. yeah. The protagonist, I should say, Ian, uh, he's like nearby and he's listening to some talk like idiots. And he notes that, because th- they say, oh, we only have two grenades. He says, no, we have a third grenade, but I'm saving the third one for myself. Like, that's my out. That's my secret grenade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here we meet the cast as they're walking. Uh, there's Anya, who is uh, pregnant, and she's with her brother, Mark. Ugh. <laughs> there's okay, Ian. No, it's not his the brother is not the dad for the record. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, no. I expected it because it's you know a super Edgelord book, but they yeah, say me that too. her boyfriend was just killed and yeah. her her brother's the only one she has left. Right, exactly. and they talk about how they're putting a lot of hope into the baby, like yeah. a you know proper post apocalyptic story. They yeah. put all their hope into uh, the future, the future and new life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something crosses a lot, especially with Garfield's stories. Mm-hmm. He always uh, brings up like other tropes from other uh, post-apocalyptic stories like Children of Men like the babies are redemption maybe mm-hmm. this and that and he's and make it that it's fucking bullshit like in the first cross series a character's trying to figure out how to kill the monsters like oh what's their weakness and everyone's saying it's not a f- fucking horror movie like these are just humans right. trying to kill us so like it's like this, it has that mel- element of like always alluding that this is not like your story where things are gonna end on a happy note in any way well that's form. certainly true <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can see the ways that it does sort of deconstruct other zombie or post-apocalyptic stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's one character who has bandages over his face, and he has an assault rifle. My and favorite. He claims, he's, he claims he's Prince Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a really cool character concept. Right, and there's a, there's a nice moment where they talk about the story he told, and uh, how... Uh, it, it paints a picture of the queen mum chewing <laughs> the bollocks off of yes. uh, Prince William. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do really like this idea, even though I didn't need to think of the queen eating <laughs> her sauce oh, nuts or whatever. That's that's the only part I liked. <laughs> but I do like the idea of in a post-apocalyptic world, like what happens to celebrities? <laughs> yeah, like and if you get like mauled, that's you know like you can't. Oh, I'm Tom Cruise. Like no, you're not. But Right. Like, what yeah. happens then? That's a really interesting idea that I don't think I've ever seen explored before. Uh, yeah. It was explored in Zombieland with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Good point. I, I just made you look embarrassed, huh? No, uh, that's a movie I've <laughs> seen. Who you are, Ryan. <laughs> that's a movie I've actually seen. The one movie Ryan has seen, he didn't fucking remember it. Yeah, but... No, but... you're right, you're right. So, I haven't seen this been used... I haven't seen this uh, idea used more than one time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, John is the oldest one, and Ricky is the medic... And Pat is a fat, useless piece of shit, according to Ian. A <laughs> yeah. uh, fat, useless prick. Get it yeah, right. But, oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so after they stop for camp, Ian flashbacks to when before he left the city when he was swarmed by Cross. His okay, wife this Penny is basically... When, this is when yeah. the you really see the edgelord because a oh, baby yeah. explodes. Oh, <laughs> I, I told, I told uh, right. Michael uh, yeah, this is going to happen. I, I do appreciate the heads up slide. Yeah. Because we, we picked a story, and then we're like, who are we picking as a guest host? And I was like, we didn't pick this book as a, as a signal to Michael what we think of him. We, we, we picked it first, and we you warned him in advance. infant side? Michael! <laughs> so what happens is, as they're crossing across this highway, there's like all this grisly scene of like people being thrown out of cars, heads being splattered. And this woman's just driving, and she just chucks a baby out, and it shows a frame of the baby exploding all over Ian's wife, and then it shows the baby corpse. And I was like, right. wow, is this book really just trying to be and you know, as crazy as it can be? I'm really conflicted about the art style, because it is so well drawn in just excruciating detail. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, so... I think at this point it's important to note visually what being crossed means. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Good when point. you get like a zombie's blood on you, you get like a blood T on your face, like a cross. Mm-hmm. It, it's more it's like like, it, like hives. Yeah, it's like hives. Face. You break out hives that form a cross on your face. Yeah, and like right. you also get bad teeth immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's because it's actually that's because it's there in Britain. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the reason for that. Oh, actually, I believe they say <laughs> Glasgow. Isn't that Scotland? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's in the Highlands. Oh, so is this, is this, that stereotype not extended there? I don't, I don't know my stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. Right. And did we discuss the reason why they're walking through the Highlands? Because they're they're trying to wear out all of the cross. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to head north so uh, through the snow because they believe the, the the zombies will all die off. But before uh, we get to that, uh, we should say that after Penny was covered with crossed baby blood because the baby is clearly crossed with the brashes on his face, uh, she jumps in front of a car and kills herself. Yeah. And. And Ian remarks how like how she was a very pure soul and stuff like that, and how she, he loved her. Uh, he also remarks that uh, he cheated on her, and she took him yeah. back. More cuckolding, thanks, Sly. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not the only cuckolding we're doing tonight. Yeah, there's more cuckolding. There's a Wait, lot more. I might be, I might do some cuckolding tonight. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all cuckold tonight. It's an initial story. You gotta have it. Like Grafans is checking off the check marks. I feel yeah. so, like like falling in love montage has their tampon checklist. We should have an edgelord checklist. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they they notice that the cross are following them towards the north, and they don't have enough bullets to kill them all. And so there's a group of three that's like uh, around them. And Alec, one of the dumb ones, he uses rocks to confuse the group. And he, like, can you describe these to, three like, crossed guys? Slide. One of them has like uh, well, like, they're they're all naked. One of them's a woman. She's like the matriarch. She has huge sagging uh, breasts <laughs> mm-hmm. and sc- a, a skull codpiece. Yeah, codpieces. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry. I could I could just picture it. It's so sensual. Among, and there's two old men with her with their dongs hanging out, <laughs> and they yeah. one of them has a bra and like a bowler hat. And yeah. they're yeah, exactly. all chanting "Cunty Bollock." <laughs> yes. yes. So they cool. they they taunt these guys these guys to first they taunt to attack each other, and then they taunt them, the one matriarch, the only surviving one, to follow the follow Alec taunts her to follow, run, jump into the river, and then Ian to make sure she's dead. And there's one of the other ones uh, make sure she drowns in the river by holding her face down with his boot into the water, mm-hmm. and yeah. how he enjoys the pleasure of feeling her teeth break beneath his boot. Exactly. Yeah, and, and not so, to get uh, too technical, but one of the things I I like about this visually is the lettering for the cross. It's like red and like almost like dripping mm-hmm. blood kind of letters, and it just gives this unease. And even the the lettering kind of reflects that. Too. The, the the word bubbles reflect that too. Yeah, like it's like it's all distorted. Yeah. Uh, so also uh, the story ends with him, uh, Ian, talk, thinking about how uh, he, uh, he betrayed Pe- uh, Penny, but he also thinks about how. He might see her in the afterlife, and they have a really nice line where he says, "I have no more illusions left about this world. You might allow me one or two about the next." So, like, he still has some hope that he might see Penny in the afterlife, yeah. if, even though he's not a religious guy. Mm-hmm. So that's the first issue. What did you guys yeah. think so far? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Daryl, you go first. Were you hooked, or did it make you cross? The thing is, more than the boys, I could like see with this, where it's like Garth Ennis is a good writer. Clearly, but it's like out of this issue, what I'm gonna remember most is those the naked people <laughs> and a baby being thrown out the window. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. which I think is like the edgelord way they get you hooked with that kind of grossness. Yeah, I agree with right. that. And they're like, see, but you remember it now. You're gonna remember or you like you'll be interested in reading the rest of the story. But I mean, I wouldn't have read the rest of the story unless I was on this podcast. Unless I was forced to by Sly. Because I would have read that stuff. I would have been like too gross. Like, dude, this is unnecessary. What about you, Michael? Right. Were you hooked? Uh, no, no, by no <laughs> means. And, and it's one of those things that I don't mind. And I'll talk about this more at the end. But, I mean, I don't mind edgelordy stuff in general. But there is that point of excess where it's like you're not doing this for the story. You're just doing this to escalate up to yeah. absurd yeah. points. And so like... it was more I was just rolling my eyes at a baby corpse. It's just like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is a very fair I point, but I, I will uh, offer a defense of the excess score. Well, because when Penny turns, it's like there's no reason why it has to be an exploding baby. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it it's not be, like but... that baby's a character or did, the mom's a character. Did She's you just say? Past, did you just, just say it does have to be an exploding baby? No, I said it doesn't. <laughs> no, Sly. <laughs> I will. I will justify my <laughs> thoughts on excess score at the end. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Everyone, every all of our listeners know that Sly is an edge lord. That's like yeah, a, I am an edge lord. Like I defended Lobo's uh, Christmas. Oh Carol. my yeah, god, I forgot true. about that. Edge lord in August is your month. <laughs> my month to shine. I don't mind. Like, I don't mind edge lord as long as it's not like shitty like Mark Millar. That's my problem. See, like, I enjoy it more because I'm like this guy's an idiot rather than we talked about this before. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it enough time. We, we, <laughs> people know our thoughts. It's done. Okay. Right, issue two. Yeah, volume one, not great. 
or <laughs> issue one. Not great. Yeah. yeah. So, issue two uh, turns out Pat, the fat, useless prick, has been stealing food. So they slice his ankles so he can't walk anymore. Yeah, hamstring him. This is like what they do with between. What they do between each issue is that they jump ahead like a certain amount of days, so you're yeah, immediately yeah. thrown into like the middle of a escalation. And he yeah, says, exactly. he says, like, "Are you just gonna tie me up here and leave me there?" And they're like, "No, we don't want to waste the rope." So they yeah. slice his Achilles tendons and just like leave him there as bait for the zombies, right? Because yeah. they want to slow down all of the cross. Yeah, it's like for some reason I was fine with issue one. This ankle slice like really skeeves yeah, me out. That was. Really? Cause yeah, I don't know why. This is where I was like, this is a cool thing. I'm on board with this. Well, and I mean, I think that scene probably, I mean, was probably the most kind of important moment of this, like, three-issue set as far as, like, uh, cementing the uh, point it was getting at about, yeah. like, how, you know, who the real monster is here. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. the, the depths one would go to survive. Yeah, yeah and this and... is when we start to see Ian, our protagonist, like really i don't care about anybody but surviving like that's yeah. it yep yeah, surviving is my favorite person <laughs> yeah. i know the, pre- uh, the the pregnant woman she notes that ian did it so casually that he must have done it before and uh, ian uh flashbacks to he didn't uh, slice someone's uh, legs before but he did uh he was with a previous group of people and that group of people basically uh there's always alpha males basically ar- argue each other and uh, these three alpha males basically dominating the group and everyone else is being passive and he felt that he felt like this group is going to die. Like this group is fucked. So he basically, while they weren't looking, he took a bunch of supplies and he walked walked out. The thing that I really like about this scene is, in like every zombie story, there's always like this core group that like get along really well, and then there's like the bad guy. And I really like here that there's three of these like who would normally be the protagonist in a zombie story, or right. like they all have very different ideas. Like one's like we have to go right away, and one's like no, we have supplies here or like i don't remember what the exact argument is but in the real world like humans in a crisis can't all come together and make decisions at all like this seemed really really insightful to me and also one of them makes some racist remark and he and ian thinks to himself this here now and then he says of course that everywhere always and that That was a good line the thing that i like about the the parts of this book that i like is that I feel like it has a much more realistic view on humanity than other zombie stories, where I actually felt I like, these people would do this. Like, this is who would win, these pieces of garbage. Yeah. Another thing I like about it, too, is that a woman ends up approaching him, and she has two boys, and she ends up, like, asking him if he's okay, and he's, he tells her, like, I'm going to get out of here. You and your boys can come with me if you want, but you have to make that decision, like, right now are you going to stay? And so she decides to stay. And it's... Because a lot of times when people make Drifter characters, they're always just like, I'm alone now forever. By, like, here, he's, like, he's still extending out. Like, he's not a monster. He won't just leave people behind willy-nilly. Like, he'll take them with him if they want to go. But it... It's clear that he he's more concerned about being alive than staying with a but group. But even when he says yeah. that, he's like, if you and your boys want to come, and she goes like, what about these other two people? And he's like, they will only slow us down. We are leaving right, them behind. They're too old. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And like, I, I, he seems much more pragmatic about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. He's like, all about survival. Yeah. And to, to emphasize that point, as they're walking... Anya shows more signs of pregnancy, and as he does so, he says, like, as she shows, every time every time the baby kicks like that, he's, like, ready to bolt at any moment. Like, he's thinking, like, the baby... Because not only is she going to have to stop to live the baby, but then she's going to be weak for days, and are they going to wait for her? Like, the zombies are going to catch up with them. So he's like, I should just... He's wondering if she should ditch this group as well. This is one thing, like, the Walking Dead TV show doesn't really address ever, is yeah. having a baby in a zombie apocalypse <laughs> is the worst thing you could have. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, they, they find the crash plane, and the, the doctor, uh, medic, the medic Ricky says, this is a good place to have the baby. And as they're in this plane, Ian says, okay, fuck it, I'm going to just tell everyone, we should ditch Anya, leave the baby behind. And we should, and everyone's like, are you, are you fucking crazy? Like, Mark, her brother, is like, you're just as bad as the cross, we should leave you out there with them. Like, like, and Ian's like, hear me out, hear me out, let's put it to a vote. And he loses the vote. he even says, like, if you guys vote... And and I lose. That's fine. Like I'll I'll yeah. stay. I'll do what the group decides. But I think it's worth talking about. And it's yeah. It's an awkward scene, but it's it might be my favorite scene of the whole book. 
It is a really great scene. It's and the character cool. say like, you, you think we're, you're going to do this vote and we're going to act like it's normal? Like, you're saying leave my sister behind. Like, fuck you. Like, leave a human being behind. Right. And that's a good character moment. I mean, I think that's what I always like most in kind of post-apocalyptic zombie stories is the character moments and how people interact with each other. Like, the gore is very much not what I'm there for. Yeah, yeah agreed. Right. Not just that, too, but it's like the tough decision-making. It's like, what would you do in these shoes? Because that you are getting slower and the cross don't seem to be slowing down and the two people leaving you like slowing everything down is this girl and her brother yeah it's like would you abandon them to save the rest of the pack and the thing that makes the scene so impactful for me is they have the vote and he even says like we have no idea when she's gonna go into labor so it could be in the middle of like us running so we should leave her behind now they have the vote and then he loses so they decide to stay with her she immediately goes into labor and then they all wait for the child to be born. And then John comes out, the medic, and just bluntly announces that her and the child both died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. So like, it, was, it wasn't John's not the medic. John was just the old guy. And oh, okay. he's the only guy that, one of the few guys that backs up um, Ian. Ian on his vote. And he goes to check on the medic and just comes out bluntly saying, she's dead, baby's good, yeah. let's get out of here. So it's like, like they have this vote and makes our protagonist look like such a piece of garbage. And if they, he literally waited like a half hour, it wouldn't even have mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is just really interesting. And also the blunt way the baby dies. Like, it's not like a uh, portrayed as a, a tearful moment. Like, we don't even see the brother's reaction. We don't see anyone's reaction. All we see is John, the guy who voted to leave her behind, saying, she's dead. Let's go. Let's well, get the At the same time, I feel like if they did make it a big deal, it wouldn't be earned. Because we don't know anything about any of these characters at all. I know, but it's a good scene. But the fact that they go over the blunt round. Yeah, no, I'm saying that, that's what makes it work. If they made it, like, yeah. if they were trying to pull on my heartstrings, it would be like... What are you doing? Like, you haven't earned this. It's not the kind of story. And they had the restraint not to show the dead baby, so... Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was yeah I mean, we already got one in the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they already filled the dead baby quarter, and they're like, okay, we don't have to... Don't <laughs> well, but don't, don't worry, the edge returns for the next issue immediately yeah. on the first page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Uh, by the way, uh, Prince Charles, who dies in his first page, uh, he voted against... Uh, the ba- He voted for the baby, leaving the baby and Anya behind... And uh, Mark, after he does that, Mark says, I do believe you're, you're Prince Charles now, because when you're a royal, member of the royal family, you make that vote. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> that line. Yeah, Wait, was it Prince so, Charles or Prince Harry? Uh, uh, I think you're right. It's Prince I think it's Harry. Harry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, really, I keep switching. Whatever. They're not our princes. Oh, you don't memorize the royal family? <laughs> Sly, come on. <laughs> Sly doesn't even know the stereotypes of Scotland, so... <laughs> yes. So, uh, Prince, they got to Prince uh, Harry first. Rip. And uh, the pro- the problem is like Prince Harry had the assault rifle, like the best gun they had. Yeah. And now they're all debating on how to uh, circle back uh, and get it. I need to mention this because I I hate some of the things in this book. So they got to him by they sawed him in half with a two man saw, and then they all laughed <laughs> yeah. at him as he was trying to crawl through the snow and get away from him. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, the guys say like, "Wow, they really fucking got it!" I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the things that actually kind of bothers me a little bit is, I mean, they they go to such lengths, the cross, to kill people. Like, they don't go the easiest route. They go yeah. to, like, inventive beyond, like, the normal routes, which I don't, I mean, oh, yeah. the whole thing is that they're impulsive and they just act on the moment. Like, sawing somebody in half seems like, a lot of effort for somebody who doesn't have impulse control. Like, I would expect them to set up, like, Rube Goldberg machines that end up with, like, your nuts getting stomped by a swinging boot or something. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, their plan to circle back is to actually split up uh, and then go in, like, a circular uh, direction uh, both ways towards the body. So, basically, and... like, if you walk down the path and then they circle around, it's like drawing a big dick in the snow. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's in my, my mind right now. Ryan's crossed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ian is grouped with uh, Mark, uh, the brother, and Ricky, the medic, who both consider him a monster. And Ian talks to John, saying, "What the fuck? Like, these guys think I'm a monster. Like you, like, you can't pair me with these guys." And John says, "Like I'm paired with two idiots. The, you know, the guys arguing over fish. Like they're they're gonna slow you down. Like I need to make sure they're safe. You, you like you got the better guys, so you go with them." Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Ian thinks about how, like, as they're, as they're running away trying to, from these zombies, it's because the zombies are now tailing them. Uh, Ian thinks about how he couldn't be true to his wife, he couldn't be true to anyone. Like, basically, he's thinking, like, I was a horrible human being to my wife. I don't, I don't think I could be, be this human being now. 
And uh, as he's thinking this, uh, he runs he, like he runs out of ammo, and he's like yelling to Ricky for help. And Ricky stops running and, and stops to save him. And he thinks like Ricky is actually a good human being. Like Ricky uh, is true. So what excuse do I have to be a shitty human being? Like, uh, like my justification is that I'm doing soft survival. Mm-hmm. But you have people like Ricky who stop and still try to save people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like I'm like an extra piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, at least he realizes that. Yeah. yeah. And so Ricky, unfortunately, this human being uh, gets punished for his, for his kindness and falls off a ledge and gets swarmed by Cross. Yep, and he keeps mm-hmm. telling him just like run and reload your gun. Yeah. To go back to what Michael said, usually these edgelord characters constantly think I'm the coolest guy in the world. Look how right. awesome I am. And at least Ian's like I'm shitty. Like I yeah, suck. the self reflection is yeah. an interesting character. Yeah, yeah, it's necessary, I think, in like a story like this. You love Nemesis, Daryl. Right, but nothing interesting <laughs> happens to Ricky, right? Like he just falls off the cliff, and they just kill him, and nothing, uh, nothing of note happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, now Ian is only with Mark, the, the brother, the, the brother of the girl. He said we should leave behind. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, they, they can finally get visual on the gun, but they see not only the the, the, the fat useless prick uh, Pat, they got they got his. They got to him, and they're wearing his skin as a coat. But now uh, they're they're parading around Anya's corpse. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's on his back like Yoda. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that's a good point. Even with the one arm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what happens now is Ian is like, "Holy shit! I have to go fucking rescue her!" Like, just fucked up. Mark is kill them all. No, Mark. Oh, Mark is brother. Yeah, Mark is that. Sorry. And Ian's like, "No way! You have to be rational about this." And Mark and Ian. Mark is like. Fuck you, Ian. You want me to leave behind my my, my sister. So he takes a gun and, and shoots uh, Ian in the ear. And Ian just fucking runs. And, and he, as he's run, it's, it's running, he's like saying, Hey, 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 uh, Mark, kill yourself right now. Do it, do it. He's running away. Like, yeah, save and, like, me. Kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then here it, here it is. What happens to Mark? Yeah, so he, um, uh, Ian was telling Mark to kill himself, not to be a dick, but like, the cross are right on top of you, and right. they are. And one of the cross women sits on Mark's face with her vagina in his face and says, "Eat me, eat me, eat me." And She's it shows gross. a zoom in of his face with her pubes all over it. Oh, she <laughs> yeah. Has this, like, oh, and she has like just an absurd <sighs> amount of pubic hair, like beyond a natural amount of pubic hair, yeah. because they just have to make it like extra awful yeah. every I mean and this was the she's overweight was... so naturally she's gonna be oh, super it's gross gonna be awful <laughs> yeah um and this is also the moment uh when I was at work that I hit alt tab really really <laughs> fast to switch to another window and looked around to make sure nobody was looking <laughs> yeah and this and is gr- just like yeah I'd like to think that for some reason, like, when you're cross, not only are all your inhibitions limited, but also all, like, your hormonal inhibitions. So, like, you have just hair growing really, like, the Santa Claus. <laughs> there is there's one story, uh, there's one story where the crossed are all talking about how they want to, f- uh, fuck a horse. And as they're, as, they're, as they're all killing this horse, they're like, maybe we should punch more holes at this horse so we can have more holes to fuck. Jeez, so I, I never, you are never allowed to judge me for liking anything ever again, you piece of garbage. Oh my god. <laughs> but I, I do want to hear your artistic defense. Of I the, don't. I, I know it's trash. In the horse. <laughs> I will at the end. So, Ian finally is the one that gets, gets to the gun, and he starts picking off all the zombies with the assault rifle. Because one uh, thing they, they point out earlier is because of the snow... And because they never slow down, they're always going at, like, 100%. They, like, don't have the energy to keep going. So it's not, like, zombie physics where they, like, walk and it doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that this is fully scientifically sound. But, like, they say, like, because they don't eat and they don't think, like, what's the best way to go up this mountain? They just run. They're, like, tired and just dropping now. Yeah. So he's picking them off one by one. And one of them, the last one... Runs up to him with a shotgun, and Ian kills him, but, but right before he dies, the guy with the shotgun shoots uh, Prince uh, Harry's corpse, and the blood splatters all over him, uh, over Ian. So Ian is like, okay, I'm, I'm across, I need to grab this grenade to kill myself, but bef- but now he realizes, like, yeah. he thinks about now he has uh, about how Penny looked at him when he betrayed her, and mm. he's thinking about how he'll have to confront her again after all the shit he's done, and he can't. Pull the pin. He's yelling himself. The narration boxes are all that's left is seeing Penny again. Penny, who I loved, who I idealized, who hated me with cold, black passion, and told me so the day she found out I betrayed her. 
I make her. I make yeah. my voice hers by no. It's really mine. Come on, you asshole! Pull the fucking pin. And the final scene is John uh, puts his hand on Ian's shoulder, and you can see John, Ricky, all of them are all across. Yeah. The end. Yeah. The ending's pretty cool. It's like yeah. a very like. I don't want to say like a Twilight Zone because it's not really a twist, <laughs> but it's a it's like eerie how yeah. they're not attacking him at all. Like they're yeah. just like you're already crossed without us having, like without yeah. having to do anything. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I guess you can see the benefit of these being shorter uh, stories when you have it wrapped up really you know tightly in just three issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty satisfying ending. And I, I don't. Very I, there were none of these characters that I was like. Let's, can't wait to see what happens next, <laughs> even if they did survive. Oh, I wanted more of Pat. I wanted to see all of Pat's adventures. I hope we get that Pat prequel someday. It's DLC. <laughs> it's in the next Humble Bundle. <laughs> so now we're going into a special by Simon Spurrier, who is one of my favorite comic writers. Simon Spurrier is amazing. Yeah, I gotta say, I liked this one more than the uh, the, the other oh, yeah? stories. That's actually really cool, because uh, Spurrier uh, writes more of Cross than Garth Ennis does by the end. Huh. I feel like Daryl's about to challenge me here, because he... <laughs> I know, my, well, I'm saying, oh yeah... Here's be- the disclaimer. <laughs> Daryl doesn't know how to read... Oh, that's right, you didn't read this message. one, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. didn't yeah. read this book, he read a that's different right. one that he hated. Yeah, yeah. I did. I read a whole <laughs> separate Cross special, and it was so bad. It was about, it was people in prison, and there was so much rape... So much cussing, yeah. and at one point there's a severed, there's a severed head with a, a knife stuck to like it, a severed head stuck in the wall, and in his mouth is a severed dick, and it's like this oh. is this is the All perfect right. analogy for how I felt reading it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. We should have done that instead. <laughs> that was uh, one. I read that story, and I was like, because like that's because there are the, the problem with cross series is that it fluctuates. The quality does fluctuate with each writer. I want to show. That there's there's the writers like that writer who just go for the gore and some people actually like that. I check the Amazon reviews for some of those stories and people say I hate this Garth Ennis shit, this Simon Spurrier shit, this Alan Moore shit. This is what I want. Yeah. I want the gore. I want to see blood everywhere. What? Who wrote that one? Do you know? Uh, I was like, it's a no name writer. Like I never. Heard I'll, I'll get it. I have the. So anyway, well, we're not even talking about that story. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> no, I read the whole story. Stuff. Let's talk. <laughs> no. So, so so dear listeners. You, Daryl, will be learning about the story as you do. Yeah. Oh, real quick, it was Justin Jordan that wrote it. Yeah, I never heard of him. Yeah, so I, that th- doesn't sound too familiar. Yeah, this, this, so the story is structured. Uh, it's, the, the narrators all kind of talk to the reader. Mm-hmm. like It's kind of like a reality show where they, they give their thoughts as events are happening, which I think is a very interesting narrative structure. And it kind of sets it up that this is more of a comedic black comedy. Not like, ha, 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 it's funny. It's like black comedy. Like there's right. like yeah. a black comedy element to this. And it definitely, the whole, like, talking back in, like, I couldn't imagine the first story having that framing yeah, device. No. And this one, like, it, it does give it this, like, slightly less taking itself seriously mm-hmm. connotation. Exactly. So the story is, uh, there's a fat trucker named Todd riding around his big fuck-off truck. And <laughs> what is a big ta- fuck-off truck? <laughs> yeah. You need to paint paint a picture for me, Sly. Well, these are these are real trucks because uh, <laughs> uh, it's in Australia, and so he was one of those uh, long haul truckers that go across Australia with those huge train trucks. I'm not sure yeah. exactly what they're called. Is that a real yeah. thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. These huge cargo trucks that they run across the desert. Yeah. So uh, there's a fat trucker named Todd, uh, Todd, and he's like a disgusting piece of shit. Like every page, he's burping and, and farting <laughs> right. and shit like that. And uh, he says like. He talks about, like, obviously, if any change, the new status quo, the, if any change, the new status quo, no matter how terrible, will be more favorable to certain people. Here are types who say it's unfair he gets to thrive in this future, but it's just evolution. And he says, it ain't magic, but it looks like it from a distance. <laughs> and I, I have to say, I find this character fascinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because he's very intelligent. I mean, in a sense. Well, apparently what happens is he's like this dumb idiot guy, but in the apocalypse, his truck was shipping all these like science textbooks on tape. So he just drives around this apocalyptic world and uh, listens to science textbooks all the time. And it's all so, nature. Yeah. Like yeah. nature. So it's biology and nature. And so he knows 
lots about biology and evolution, and it just really informs his entire worldview. So he yeah. says all this dumb shit, but then he'll be like, well, in nature, when it, when you, you know, when there's evolution, the point is to be as genetically diverse as possible, and then you could be disadvantageous in one habitat and advantageous in exactly. another. And I'm like, I mean, that is how it works. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he has lots of very specific examples of different uh, animals in nature and their forms of adapting to their environment. Yeah. Guys, I think I love Todd. <laughs> So, uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, what the kind of guy Todd is, but... So, um, the other two in the story are... I should clarify, this is taking place in Australia, in the outback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two leads are Daphne and da- uh, David. David is kind of like a, a bushman, like a crocodile, dunty, hunter-man mm-hmm. type. But he clarifies, like, he's a very modern guy, but he likes hunting. And uh, Daphne says, like, I- I'm reliant, and that's Okay. I'm lucky to have a guy, to have been dating a guy like David who can survive in this wilderness. But as they're, as they're talking and narrating to their events, they're all being swarmed by Cross and David runs out of bullets, so they're like, oh, we're fucked. That's where Ta comes in. And, and Daphne <laughs> thinks to herself, like, I, I love to rely on David, but whoever we have to rely on will do it. Because, like, you have to trust people, otherwise you'll just end up alone and dead. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, no matter who you, who you rely on, you'll always be alone at the end. So, like... Uh, David is protecting her, but but like David will probably be the first to die, and then she'll be alone. But by the end of the day, you're gonna be alone when time it's your time to go. So uh, Todd shows up. He runs over the cross, and uh, he is is willing to take in Daphne, but not David because his truck is a, literally a fuck off truck <laughs> because he has a bunch of women in his truck who he he they're, they're in exchange for. Driving them around and for protecting them and stuff like that and giving them food and everything, he gets to have sex with them and populate the next species of humanity. <laughs> because he wants to spread his genes as much as possible. Little Todds. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that's weird about this and interesting is David's like, oh, so what is this, like a rape train? And he's like, I never rape anybody. I don't even ask for it. Just sooner or later, they come in and, t- and do it. And it's like, <laughs> he's like, but they're living in fear. And like that's that's kind of just rape, and he's like, right. no, and I, yeah, they never and like have the to. David does explain that you know there are other forms of rape. It doesn't have to be you forcing yourself on someone. It can be by situation, which it is. I mean, it is situational rape that Todd is participating in, and you know, I, I appreciate that 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 level of nuance that the writer yeah. you know was looking at. You know, here's more gray cases. Did he even acknowledges yeah. it? Yeah. And the thing that I find so interesting is he's like, I'll take women with me for months and they won't have sex with me. And that's fine. But sooner or later they come around. And like, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. It's, but it's like, the implication. It, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird in a way that is definitely unique in mm-hmm. this story. It's not like, because when he pulled up and he's like, this is all my women. This is how I'm repopulating the earth. I'm like, I've read this story a million yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. But then it, it really plays with your expectations in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But it is still a fuck train. <laughs> uh, but then but then I feel like it kind of burned off some goodwill with the next part, which I'm sure Sly will talk about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he doesn't want... He says Daphne can come on the train, but David can't because he's competition... Like, basically a male competitor. He's like, get the fuck off my train. And Daphne's like, no, no. Uh, he's really useful. He's very this. And Todd's like, whatever. I don't give a shit. And she's like, he's also f- gay. He's extremely fucking gay. And uh, Todd's like... Well, if he's so gay, he won't mind sucking my dick. <laughs> God. Oh no! And, and he takes his he takes his dick out. And David, it, it's this view of the cameras like to the sides. So you don't mm-hmm. see the dick, but it like zooms in on David, and his mouth is like wide open, like he's about to <laughs> suck a dick, and he's just like, "I'll do anything for Daphne." And it's yeah. like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> wow! But then Tom's like, "I was just fucking kidding. Get the fuck out of here." Get a fuck in the truck. Yeah, and it's it's weird. <laughs> so he takes him in because he was going to, but didn't? Yeah, because he's like, I'm not gay. I don't want you to suck my dick, but I was testing you to make sure you would. <laughs> yeah, I'll take you along anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, to, but Todd in the narration, he says, like, Todd ain't a super fella. I don't know. They're lying to me. And he says... But this guy, he's a beta cuck. I'm going to cuck all his wife, basically. Yeah, he basically... Have we talked about the uh, text boxes when they're thinking or talking? 
how Todd's text box has an alpha symbol on it, and David's text box has a beta symbol on it. I didn't even it. notice really? that. And then Daphne's text box, yeah. text box has the uh, Venus symbol on it. I noticed the yeah. Venus one, but I just somehow didn't oh notice the God. alpha. Right? It's the Greek letters for alpha and beta. Can I, can I leave? Can I leave this? I, I don't need to be here, actually. <laughs> So eventually, uh, what happens is Daphne eventually does have sex with Todd. Oh, of course. And David's, and David's like, "Why'd you do it?" And Daphne says, "Because I'm pregnant with your child, and and Todd's going to find out you're not gay, and then we're fucked." So I did it to protect us. And the thing that's interesting here, aside from the absolutely engaging plot that we're in the middle of, yeah. but. Uh, Daphne does, when she first goes in there, Todd's like, oh, I expected you way later than this. Like, this is quick. And he goes, now, this is too quick. You definitely have an ulterior motive. And he points out that he keeps, he's like, oh, you're looking for the keys? Oh, yeah. And he says he has it hidden in a combination lock that he wears on his wrist that only he knows the combo to. So he's like, so, you know, you can't have the keys. You could leave or you could still have sex with me. And she has sex with him. And mm-hmm. it's like... Every time, the first few times she has sex with him, spoilers, it's more. <laughs> it's always, like, fr- like doggy or, like, totally uh-huh. from behind. And it's in this, right. like, really, like, the power dynamic is very mm-hmm. apparent here. Right. And he's barping, burping and farting oh, yeah. all the time, he's too. He's super gross. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Shock shock and surprise, he's super gross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, uh, interesting thing, uh, one of the Todd's other women... Uh, she tells, she goes up to David and saying, you and your woman better get the fuck out of here. We know what you guys are doing. You better get the fuck out. And she's not saying it for their own good. She's saying, like, I, I worked hard for this position. Like, you, I, I, like basically, like, I'm the alpha woman here. Like, I'm, I'm the Todd's favorite. Because if you do treat Todd right, like, he'll reward you with all these th- different things. And she's like, you better get the fuck out. And basically, uh, during the next uh, cross raid, David unexpectedly just takes a gun and shoots this woman right in the head. Because he's like, I can't ha- have her risk her outing us, and I can't risk her risk uh, endangering Daphne. So he kills her and brings on the cross. Oh yeah, the cross killed that woman. He also does think multiple times to himself, this guy's having sex with my wife. Which yeah. is definitely why Sly picked this fucking book. I'm a cuck. <laughs> this is my favorite of the Simon Superior specials I read, but this is the one that's the most you guys would have wanted to have read, so I picked it. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> so, uh... During the whole story, David talks about his Bushman experiences and how he was trained by, he was taught by the Aboriginal, Aboriginal, uh, a- um, Australian people, you know, uh, like, uh, the, the black people there. And they taught him how to... <laughs> That's one way to put it. Slow. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's just <laughs> the Aborigines. Sufficient. <laughs> does everyone know how Aborigines are? I don't know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> they taught him how you have to... You don't think, uh, just feel. And David keeps repeating his mantra: "Don't think, just feel." Whenever you're uh, uh, fighting for survival, and they meet uh, like a, a, a tribe of all these uh, Bushmen yuppies, like David, and the, and uh, one of the Aboriginal guys says, "I teach them all this bullshit, like all these dumb white people. I teach them all this bullshit. Like don't, don't think." <laughs> yes, just I love that. It's so great. Yeah, the Aborigine guy is—he's got this hustle going, and all these white guys who are just terrified, and he's just you know feeding them these lines. Yeah. And of course, they're all meeting. They they're meeting up with him at Uluru because you know, it's it's the outback. <laughs> now, also, Todd is like, maybe I should leave Dave here with these other yuppies, but this guy will definitely track me down. He definitely seems like the kind of guy that would track down anyone that fucks his wife. Also, <laughs> I can't let this guy live. He was gonna suck me off, and I hate guys that suck off other guys. God. Oh, God, it was so gross. You know what? I don't think this Todd guy was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, like, overnight, like, like Daphne, Daphne um, is, like, more and more, like, getting perturbed. David comes to her and says, don't worry, Daphne, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. I'm going to fucking kill him. And Todd finally comes out and says, I Slide, fucking stop so hitting your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, holding my hand behind my back now. <laughs> Todd, Todd's, like, um... Uh, Todd's like, I fucking hear you, you fucking dick. And he hits uh, uh, Todd in the back of the head, knocks him out. No, and the Todd next... hits Todd David. hits David, sorry. Yeah. Todd hits David, sorry. Yeah. And uh, Daphne passes out from this because she's like, she says, I'm sorry, I'm reliant, I'm in the week. I pass out from it, I'm sorry to the audience. And when she wakes up, uh, Todd is dumped out. They wait for her to wake up so she can watch it. They dump Todd off the truck for rock David Todd... off the truck? What? <laughs> David off the truck. <laughs> Oh, David, sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to follow this story. 
I'm so sorry. They throw David off the truck with a rock attached to him, and the crops all swarm around him, and, uh, you know, David's fucked. And, um, also, um, she passes out again just seeing this, and when she wakes up, she finds out that they aborted her baby. Oh. Did they? I thought yeah. that she just lost it. She says she doesn't know how it happened, but uh, she, she doesn't know if they punched him. She says, like, I don't know if they punched me or if they fed me something, but the baby's gone. Whatever, whatever she happened, She also said gone. it could have just been the trauma of what happened. Yeah. But the reason why I didn't think they aborted it is because Todd says, like, oh, that's a shame, but I'll put another one in you soon. Oh, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I misread that. No. But it's left ambiguous. <laughs> Todd definitely did not. He knew where that baby was from. Yeah, like, yeah knowing this story, come on. Implied. Oh, that's a shame. You lost your child. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, you want to give this story the benefit of the doubt that they wouldn't have infant side in it, but... (laughs) Crossed above infant side? Todd seems like a straight shooter. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But so now, uh, uh, Daphne, after what happened to David, she basically starts becoming like that woman that David Mm -hmm. shot before. Like, really competitive. Like, she's trying to be on Todd's good side. She's having sex with him regularly now. She's like she's being aggressive all the other women. Not she's just regularly. Like, like first it's once a week, then it's every night. Yeah, and um, she becomes so aggressive. Uh, Todd gives her a nickname. She calls her the Scorcher. And uh, five months of this go by. That's a and, uh, long time. Yeah, and then uh, one day they're uh, on the truck, and Daphne just takes her gun and shoots Todd's legs out. And uh, Todd's like, "What the fuck? What are you doing this for?" And. Uh, uh, she says, like, you know what? I've been having sex with you. I've been basically memorized. I've been basically trying out every single possible combination for that safe. And now I figured it out, so I don't need you anymore. Yeah, she says it's a four-digit combo. What is that? Like a thousand, com- a thousand possibilities or whatever? And she's like, yeah, and it takes a couple seconds to do each one, and you pass out right after you come every time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and-, and then she opens it. And it's... it's- I kind of thought this was awesome. <laughs> she says, like, I know my David. He's a survivor. He, he'll find me. And she doesn't write. So David, as a crossed, basically went to all those, that yuppie tribe, mm-hmm. infected all those yuppies, and now a whole army of, of white yuppies come and swarm <laughs> the cross thing and basically uh, run to attack um, uh, Todd. And Todd's, like, bitching, like, it ain't fair, it ain't fair. Like he was saying before, like, oh, you, you might think it's not fair, but this is, uh, this is a natural state of things. And he's, like, crying to Daphne as she drives off, saying it ain't fair. And she and she her, she gives the final narration saying, basically repeating his monologue, saying some people are better adapted to survive circumstances than others. It's just evolution, it ain't magic, but from a distance it sure looks like magic. And end the story. Then she throws one of the nature tapes out the window, and you see it in close-up flying out. That was yep. the worst part for me because I thought that was a cool thing, and now she's never going to learn anything. <laughs> yeah, why don't you better yourself, huh? Yeah, yeah for what? Maybe she just really hates, you know. Maybe she's a creationist. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think she better herself enough during the course of the story. By the way, Sly, there's more to life than just strength. Wow, I you can't believe I missed too. an actual cuckolding story. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good story. Okay, so... Right, so final thoughts. Uh, I think I know you guys' thoughts, but you could just go one by one. First guest host, uh, Michael. All right, so... Would you read more of this? No, God, no. <laughs> I would not. I mean, I, I I liked the special, kind of. I mean, I think it was more character-focused. I think it had more of an interesting thought. I think you could tell that the writer was giving a lot of... Uh, um subtlety into the story i mean was really thinking about you know those roles in nature and if they're you know legitimate or not um and i think he kind of undercut the idea that humans are like animals i mean i think he kind of you know said that humans are more than that which i I appreciated Mm -hmm. uh the other three were pretty much trash i didn't care for them um i kind of want to compare it to like um i am a big fan of cormac mccarthy who is kind of a literary edgelord. Uh, yeah, he and yeah. His uh, novel, um, Blood Meridian, or An Evening of Redness in the West, mm-hmm. uh, I think it goes over a pretty similar theme of, you know, the savagery of humanity and, like, that line between man and animal and the darkness within people and all that. And it has baby murder. Um, <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> but I think it explores... Yeah. Motherfucker Michael. <laughs> that's why you got me in. <laughs> on the show 
Uh, I mean, I think, so, I mean, it's not that I'm shocked by the content because all of that is within a Cormac McCarthy novel too, but I think it's just explored so much better in something like Blood Meridian than it is in this. So uh, run, don't walk to your local library and uh, check out Blood Meridian by Cormac <laughs> McCarthy for a better look at Baby I Duff. actually would do that because I liked, I haven't read, I read, read Blood Meridian, but I like a lot of Cormac McCarthy's I think you. I think you'd like Blood Meridian. It, it's probably his best. But you felt like this shit, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what about you, Daryl? Uh, I feel like there's good ideas in here, but it's just like, it's too gratuitous. It's too over the top at times. It really needed to tone back if it wanted to be a cool story. And one of my biggest problems with The Crossed is like, there was no reason for it to be, at least that I could see, no reason for it to be more than zombies like it could have worked exactly the same as a zombie story because it had all the same things it's just that they wanted crazier things to happen when they became crossed although i i do concede that it's like the ending wouldn't have looked the same because like zombies wouldn't have been standing over ian like patting his shoulder like you're one of us now but and you can't you can't have that uh the theme as well because the zombies are just uh mindless creatures but the idea is that these are the humanity's worst. No, there's still that. There's still that theme in every single piece of zombie media. It's like, who's the real monster here? The zombies are us. Yeah, but that's but does it because uh, the zombies are just mindless and other people are the pieces of shit. But here, the protagonists are pieces of shit, and they're there's a huge the, difference between the protagonist and someone that saws another person in half or throws babies out windows. You, you, like, like obviously, like on by a, like a literal sense, there is, but like. At what point uh, do you keep sacrificing the people you're with? Do you become heartless enough to let people around you die? And does does it really matter if you're technically better? You can. I feel I'm like on you can. Slide side. I've never seen zombies with huge bushes before. Yeah, you can make that <laughs> argument with zombies. You can be like, does it matter? Are we surviving if we keep abandoning each other? The same message right, I mean, is this there. This is the theme that's in basically every zombie media, every post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic media with monsters i mean that's basically what it goes back to what is civilization and sometimes it's handled better than others but i i think i kind of agree with daryl on this yeah especially because everything that they do with the cross i think, I think the big difference is most no zombie story ever has the protagonist go through such transformations always there's always other human beings they meet in that world that are bad i don't know and every, every cross is just like the everything they do is over the top. I don't understand how they can live with each other, not kill each other. Like, why are they all friends? How much do they think? It's just none of the universe makes sense to me. I like the ideas. I don't like crossed. So related to that, I think this, these books are good. I do not like them, though. Uh, <laughs> like, I, when I read a Mark Millar book, I'm like, if you like this, you're an idiot. I recommend Nemesis yeah. over this. Like, when I read Nemesis, I'm like, only idiots like Daryl like this. <laughs> but, like, I can see the audience for this. Like, I think this is well-written. I think this is a good book. This book is not for me. I was talking about before the recording that I think the reason why Sly loves it so much is because it's the most cynical thing I've ever read. <laughs> and I do not like to read cynical fiction. Like, right. at all. And, like, I but mean, I, I recognize... it's more than cynical. It's nihilistic. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, good and and it. I recognize that like this is a good book. It's well written. I think the themes are really interesting, and like I don't want to say it's shit, but I do not want to read it. it, it by the way, uh, it is uh, it is super nihilistic. The whole like one of the running themes, like if you read the reviews, people say when you uh, when you read no, when you read it when you first read it, you're always like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be happy ending. I wonder if there's going to be some redemption for these characters. There's never any redemption. There's never any hope. There's only the cross in all these stories. Oh, I could sum this up. I could sum it up by one scene that we didn't mention. Well, we mentioned the scene, but a piece of dialogue in it. When they're deciding to whether or not to leave the baby behind in the main yeah. mini, he says, this is what always happens in these scenarios. You guys are going to use this as some metaphor for the future, and it's not. We're fucked no matter what we do. And that once one of you assholes mentions the word hope, we're screwed. We're stuck yeah. here caring for this baby. And I was like, that's a really cool speech. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never really read that before. And I, it's always the cliche that, like, this is hope. But that, I eat that cliche up. Like, every time that happens, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Right. Well, and I mean, I think that's a large part of why I don't feel like I need to read anymore. Like, I feel like the thesis is established pretty clearly and early on in just yeah. those three issues. It is. It's like, I, I get it. I would recommend this for anyone except people who, who are signed on to the idea of these are depressing stories. Yeah. Exploring human nature uh, when we're confronted with the most 
on, on human beings possible. Not just zombies, not people that are mindless. People that actually want to do horrible things to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So my defense of the gratuitous oh, violence. Oh, I forgot about uh, this. It's not. Uh, I'm not going to defend all of it because you can't. <laughs> it's impossible. It's, right? Tell us why you love to see babies explode. Yeah. Sly. Defend the it's baby. It's fucked scene. up beyond belief, but there is an effective element to it that no other zombies. Uh, one of the reasons why I loved zombies for a long time, and they kind of became they became blasé because of overuse. Mm-hmm. But one reason uh, zombies are so much more scary to me than vampires or uh, Frankenstein's or whatever. Because like I think monsters, you mean Frankenstein's monster, sir. Whatever. Whatever the, the, the term has been changed. Oh, over was time. Frankenstein not a monster himself? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But most monsters, they'll they'll either just crush you to death, which you know, like whatever, you get crushed to death. Um, <laughs> Another one of Sly's no, Whatever. You don't want it to happen, but it's not something you dread it because it's, it's a loss. It's a it's, a, it's an end of life, not because it's like the most horrible thing to ever happen to you. Like zombies are a scarier threat to me than that because. They like if you see zombie movies, they'll they'll, they'll show people still alive as the zombies eat their guts, and I'm like, that's fucking horrifying. These these people are being eaten alive, and they're conscious while they're being alive. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And in defense of Cross, there there it's, it's, it, it does go beyond the pale, uh, but it is like you fucking understand. Uh, mostly, most of the characters in a lot of these stories always are like, I have to kill myself, I have to jump off this cliff, because the, the scariest fucking thing is. Letting the cross get to you, like that is the last thing you want. Uh, yeah, like one one of the most um, one of the most fucked up the most fucked up comic scene I've read in this entire series. I'm gonna explain it to you and tarnish my reputation oh, further. Yeah. Is one story the guy I mentioned that he's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to find out the way to uh, uh, the, the zombies' weaknesses. What he does is his his his, his wife uh, carrying his daughter her, her, breaks her ankle and she's like, please kill me. I don't want those things to get to me. He's like, no, don't worry, dear. I know their weakness. The next scene is the two of them getting raped to death. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And it is the most fucked up scene ever. And one other thing I'm... This is why it's great. But another scene that that makes it good is unlike a lot of... Like you mentioned before, unlike the other... um, And uh, and the stuff where there's always badass saying, I'm badass, I'm blowing up people's heads while I even think about it. After After the people see that scene, they're just like... They didn't even know what to say. They just, the, the last panels were just kind of just looking at it and just walking away because they didn't even know how to respond to that. And as they go, they're just like, I've seen so many fucked up things. Like, my, like, how do we even maintain the idea that life is valuable after seeing such horrible things? And that's one, one of the things in the series. Like, how is hope even a concept? How is anything a concept yeah. when these things are this fucked up? I right. do feel like Crossed justifies... Like, Crossed has the most realistic characters that would exist in this world. Like, this is what yeah. humanity would respond to this world as. But that sucks, and I don't want to read it. Like, <laughs> I want to believe that we're better than that. Yeah. Right. I'm not defending this as saying you guys should love this. I'm just saying my, my yeah. argument for why I liked it. No, I right. think that's totally fair. I, I, still, I still think some of that stuff is too over the top. Like, there... You know, there have been terrible instances like that throughout history you can look at and you can talk about. But it's just like this world is just taking the worst possible scenarios and imparting them on people and having you witness it. It is. It literally is. I can't deny that. (laughs) But that's crossed. And we gave our thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you would like to continue this conversation or if you have any thoughts on crossed, I bet John has thoughts on crossed. Oh, you I think so? bet he does. <laughs> so talk to us. He has, th- he has thoughts yeah, on everything. In our uh, Facebook group, Oops, I Talk to Vice of Issues. And rate, review, subscribe, all, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. We haven't gotten any new iTunes reviews in, like, months. So do that, please. <laughs> and uh, quick, you know what? Michael, you give a plug for the Comrade Radio Network. Because you know the shows just as well as I do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, check out Comrade Radio. Uh, some of my favorite shows on there are Tales from the Static uh, by Ryan Healy, which is just my absolute favorite. Uh, I'm a big fan. There's also... And you Square were Roots. on the finale. I was on the finale. It's a little bit. I mean, my palms have been wow, greased. Nepotism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also a fan <laughs> of Square Roots and uh, Oops, I Talk Politics, your other shows hey, really good, uh, Divisive <laughs> Issues, and uh, okay, all enough. the other shows. You don't need to plug everybody. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll talk about classic schmassic then. <laughs> Classic's great. Oh, and we do have a comrade episode coming out on 
it came out on Friday. <laughs> I'm trying to think when this episode comes out. It just came out, and I know it's going to be broken into two parts, and the me, Sly, and Daryl are on... We interviewed for it, so I don't know if we're going to be on this part, the next part, or, like, some of us, but definitely check that and the next episode of The Comrade Show, because it's going to be great. And one very last thing, Michael... Tell them again about how Wagurney's great. <laughs> yeah, check out We'll Get It Right next year, colon, an adventure in cinema. We're uh, talking about We Bought a Zoo and what we think it is, and we, we go places with it. Our so, most recent episode yeah. was a bombshell episode that has zombies oh in it. Yeah, that's true. Everything changes this coming Saturday, so it's a good jumping on point. We talk about the implications of zombies in our world. It's not as edgy. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're not putting holes in the animals to put your penis in? Not yet. But, <laughs> not yet. Uh, Teaser. We, we did talk in depth about teledildonics and <laughs> connecting four dildos to you to watch the Blu-ray of We Bought a Zoo. So, you know, we do we do get a, just a little edgy. That's what happens when my brother guests on a show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't, don't play it around Grandma. Not that episode, anyway. Uh, that's been the Vice of Issues. I've been the Rape Truck. I've been refusing to say hope, because then we're all fucked. I've been Prince Charles not off bollocks. <laughs> and I've been sitting on your face going, eat me! <laughs> Thank God, Nuri. Independent Podcasting Network.